What up? This is Alternate Take. I'm your host, Danny Rodriguez. Welcome back to the show. On this episode, man, we got you guys some straight up motivation, dude. And uh, I was excited to do this. This is a, a great episode, and we did it with the phenomenal Sebastian Angus. Sebastian Angus is the CEO of the Phoenix Consulting Group. He is a business consultant by trade. Um, and the rest of his time, he's just a bad motherfucker, dude. Straight up, that's what he is. And it was awesome to talk to him, to get his wisdom and his thoughts on current life, uh, his tips of the trade for anyone trying to get started in their life, whether it be physical, uh, mental, financially, whatever. And um, it was it was a great time talking to him, man. The dude's, the dude's awesome. For him to take the time was, uh, was huge for us. So um, that's it, man. Without further ado, I bring to you Sebastian Angus. Alternate take. What is up? We are back, man. I brought you guys a very special guest. I brought you guys the Sebastian Angus. How you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic, Danny. How are you? Good, good, good. Um, I came across your content on, I believe, an Instagram reel and uh, let me down a rabbit hole, man. I saw a bunch of them now. Saw um, a bunch of stuff on your YouTube. And uh, man, it's really great stuff, man. And it's it definitely resonated with me a lot. And I thought it was very important to have you on the show. So I appreciate you for taking the time, number one. Of course. Excited to be here. Absolutely. First, uh, I'd like to start off with a little background from you, man. Tell people what you do and um, how you got into this field. So I'm uh, by trade, I'm a business consultant. And so I get paid to help uh, answer or create solutions for companies uh, from small to very large. And we build teams of teams. And then very often we execute those plans. So a little bit different than some uh, some some of the guys in consulting. We don't just consult, but we'll actually execute as well. So sometimes it's tell you what to do. Sometimes it's show you what to do. And sometimes it's here, we'll do it. Um, and that's been a lot of fun for me. I'm, I'm naturally a problem solver and a strategist. So I like, you know, being able to figure out what is the actual problem and then what do we do to solve it uh, and create solutions. And so that's a big focus for me. Um, our company is 12 years old and we've done, uh, we've had a good, good run. We're doing quite well. And, and we've built teams all over the country. We have um, 30 something offices across the country now that help. A lot of our focus is in sales and marketing, uh, executing uh, sales campaigns all the way down to a particular zip code, marrying brick and mortar with the virtual world, uh, taking more of a, an omni-channel approach to marketing. Uh, so that's what I do by trade. Uh, I've been a a coach of sorts my entire life, been a performance coach professionally for many years. Um, I do a lot of public speaking, a lot of training and development. I think I have the heart of a teacher. Uh, that's where I, I kind of, that's my sweet spot. That's where I love to be. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's what I do in the, in the short. Wow. <clears throat> um, when you said uh, you'd developed so far in your company, like this many offices and branches, how do you get all your values and ethics across to all your employees? Like what kind of interview process are you giving these guys to make sure they share the same exact intangibles that you do to make sure that this all flows together? A lot of it is, you know, I get, I get asked questions like that pretty consistently. Like how much do you talk about something? Well, the key is that you have very few things that you're talking about and you talk about those things over and over and over and over again. And so I'll have executives come back to me and they go, well, how do I know I'm talking about it enough? I go, are you sick of hearing yourself talk about it? And like, <laughs> I'm getting there. And I'm like, okay, well, you're halfway there then. Um, especially if you're in a growing company, you know, there's some, sometimes it takes tens, sometimes hundreds of times that somebody hears something before it clicks, before it really gets there. And so um, from an executive standpoint, less is more. There should be very clear on what you're focusing on. And there shouldn't be a lot of things that you're focused on. Um, 
as a CEO, especially, and, and you're hitting those messages across. And part of it is you're upholding the values and culture of the company, right? You're navigating, you're, you're teaching people, you're informing people of your culture by how you show up and what you're communicating. And so being really consistent in those messages by being clear about what they are, incredibly important. And it does certainly start with your hiring. And then, you know, whether this is true in dating relationships uh, to personal relationships, to professional relationships, the clearer you are about who you are, the clearer you are about your values and where you're going, the easier it is to recruit or date or find people aligned with you. In that, you'll do two things when you get clear. You will turn some people off immediately, right? Like, nope, that's not what I'm about. And you'll turn a whole other group on simply by being clear. So I know a lot of us, it's going to seem counterintuitive for a lot of people because I think, you know, I try to please as many people as I can, or I try to relate or connect with as many people as I can. And there are truth and context to that. But from a leadership standpoint, you want to get very clear about who you are. It does everyone um, a service to be clear about who you are, right? And it, it, then they can make an informed decision like that either resonates with me or it doesn't. And we tend to trust people, even if sometimes we don't like them, we trust people more that we we feel like we understand because we're clear about who they are and what they're about, right? We want to do business with people and build relationships with people we know, like, and trust. And so right. That's I think that's a big part of, of protecting your culture. Get clear about what it is, and don't try to be all things to all men. That's that's a that's a very tough, if not impossible, thing to do. I couldn't agree more, man. I, I think it's funny okay. that like when you you say it that way, that like somebody is clear about what they want and who they are. Um, it could be like abrasive, like you said, it could be up front in your face. And I find that shit hilarious. I think it's funny. It reminds me kind of like that old Italian dude in Brooklyn in like 60s who's like, hey, what the fuck? I'm walking here. Like, it's funny how he just kind of like, you go, okay, he is walking there. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. But um, I think it's very funny. I think it's very true. I think I think when people are very clear about what they want, they do make very conscious decisions to make sure they're not going out of that path. And um what would you think is the first step into getting there? Because um, I feel like that's a very tough place to get to for especially young people, um, especially if you weren't raised that way, you know, maybe by a, an alpha-like father and a motherly-like type mother. So maybe it takes you a little bit longer to get there. Um, what would be the first step into getting to a place to where you can kind of consciously go, this is what I want, and I'm not on the path to pleasing people anymore? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, and it is. this is a very relevant question for a lot of people. Early life, and there's a great couple of frames here. One of the things that I think is is hurting uh, the youngest generation, the last few generations. Um, I'm I'm 43 now, and I'm, I guess I'm considered a exennial, is what they're calling a bottom half <laughs> the millennial Gen Z or Gen X. I'm like right, right, right in that mix. So I I remember a time in which we didn't have computers and cell phones, but I grew up using them. Um, so, but it. There was a, we changed our frame um, and a couple of things that are very common. You hear a lot, you say, thing, say things like follow your passion, chase your passion. Well, there's truth in that, right? But the best lies are 60% truth. The easier the lie is to believe that the reason it's easier to believe is because the closer you get to the truth, the more believable what you're saying is. So saying I'm, follow your passions, follow, that, that's true, but it's predicated upon that you know what your passions are. Right. And that's under 25. That's not a that's not a likely scenario that you're going to you're going to be very. That's not 
true all the time, by the way. They're exceptions to about everything. But your average dude is still trying to figure out who they are, what they believe, and what they value, let alone figure out what they're passionate about long-term and what they want to do, evidenced by the amount of dusty guitars, rollerblades, you know, whatever, in the garage that never went anywhere. It's like you can't. And the reason that's a tough one is because passion we think of passion like, well, how does this make me feel to do it? And and if I'm passionate about it, then I should want to do it. And that isn't always true, right? There's 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 lots of things that the passion comes later. And I'm going to get back to how do we figure out who we are. So, so like, for instance, the gym is an easy one, I think. If you've never been to the gym or it's been a very, very long time and you are grossly out of shape and you know you need to get back to the gym, I promise you, there is very little chance that you were passionate about getting back into the gym, right? <laughs> like you're not going, man, I can't wait to get back in there. So you're like, oh, okay. So then you show up at the gym and it doesn't get better. It gets worse. You hire a trainer. He's doing his job. She's doing her job. She's probably yelling at you and pushing you. And your body is screaming at you to stop, right? You're hearing all these stories in your head. Maybe we're just not genetically meant to do this. Well, maybe I'm the guy that isn't supposed to be physically fit. Maybe I don't need to take care of it. Like all of these stories, there's no passion there. And if you're trying to follow your passion, you will justify why you are no longer working out and getting into better shape, right? Because it, well, it's just, I'm not passionate about doing that. Well, okay, let me help you. So what happens though? For the guy that gets a good trainer that holds him accountable, they start going to the gym regularly. And here's, it gets worse before it gets better, right? Because that first experience, those first couple of days, you go home, you, you step on your scale, you don't weigh any different. You go look at yourself in, your, in the mirror, you don't look any different. And you may actually feel worse than better in the beginning, right? Where like your body hurts now, you're getting out of bed and you're like, oh my God, I didn't even know I could hurt that. <laughs> like, is passion showed up yet? No, no, it has not. But if you stay disciplined and you follow your effort, not passion, what ends up happening is within two to three weeks, you start to oh my God, am I actually getting excited to go to the gym? And now you you start getting motivated to go. Your body starts priming you for it. And then this switch happens where suddenly you're starting to enjoy the gym. And maybe not overnight, but wow, I lost a few pounds. Wow, I I, I think I look better. Maybe actually, do I look better? This, and so what are you doing? Now you're researching um, new clothes, right? What Best gym clothes, uh, the best diet. You're starting to look at, well, what supplements could I take? How do I accelerate this? Three four or five weeks down the road, now passion starts to build. 90 days later, you're a completely different person and something that you were totally not passionate about, you now be, are excited to do. And the inverse happens where you start to feel anxious and angry if you don't get into the gym. Right. Yeah. That we would have missed out on had we just followed our passions. And so this is part of the reason why, uh, to your question around value and figuring out what I'm about, we get lost is because we're very often following our feelings, our emotions. And that emotions are very useful. And I love emotion. I am not an anti-emotion, but leading with emotion when you're still discovering who you are and you're not a fully conscious being yet is not, it's a pretty faulty way about going through the world because you're you're, you're the feedback you're getting is about what you're experiencing related to change, not whether it's good or bad qualitatively. Okay, so back to your question with that frame in mind. For a lot of a lot of people, it's like, well, how do I figure out who I am? Very early on, it's easier to figure this out through subtraction than addition, which is, well, what do I, what do I know I'm not about? Right? That's generally easier for people to start. What, do, what, what kind of life do I know I absolutely don't want? How do I not want to show up in the world? What, what do I definitely don't want in my relationships? 
And so you start there and you start cutting things out. And over time, you'll figure out what you're left with. Well, it's like, well, if I don't want these things, what's left? Right? If, I, if, I, if I want this kind of life, what do I have to do? That's the transition. And and so that's generally where I start with people. Well, like, well, let's figure out what you don't want in your life. You know, what what would you what what don't your you want your career to look like? What don't you want your relationships to look like? What don't you want your body to look like? And those are the big three, right? And we was, I talk about this constantly. It's your your, your money, um, your relationships, and your health. Those are the big three. And ironically, for all the education we get in the United States, we spend very little time teaching the three most important things in your life. And it's easy to backtest if you look at somebody in their their twenties and go. Well, where did most of the pain show up in your life so far? Somebody just check in with somebody at 25. Most of their pain was caused by money, right? Their financial strain, relational strain, or physical strain. And physical strain tends to be on the second half. You'll get through just being youthful in the beginning. Your genetics can carry, and there's exceptions to that, of course, but your genetics will carry you for a bit. Get into the second half of your 20s, into your 30s, and suddenly health issues start showing up. You're like, well, why? what is this happening? It's because of decisions you've made. So then we, we got to work backwards and figure out, well, if I want my life to look differently, if I don't want it to look like this, what do I want it to look like? Now we can start to figure out, well, what are the values that drive those behaviors? What are the values that drive those results? What am I really about? How do I show up? Another thing you can do is what does get to you emotionally, right? Like if somebody's watching a movie and they start to cry. Right. And I love this. And I get a lot of dudes who ask me this, like, wow, I really got emotionally, I responded really emotionally to this. Well, what was the scene? What were the values? What was it that you were feeling? And what were the values that were being demonstrated that made you feel that way? Explore that. Instead of shutting it down or rejecting it, explore that. What in you is responding to what you're seeing? Uh, but the whole process of, of being a human is to know yourself in human form. Right, yeah. who you are and to know yourself in human form and so to me that's that's the fun that is the joy of the process but again in the beginning it's usually figuring out what i'm not you know i, th I think that movie, movie example is actually brilliant man because it's the same uh reason why to see grown man cry at the end of rudy you oh, know like he, he did to a, it to a man like yeah that one gets about everyone but yeah 100 percent. or yeah. braveheart right like braveheart yeah, Brave deeply resonates with a lot of dudes Absolutely. And 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 the messages are tend to be the same. It's like pain and suffering through most of the movie. Um, a lot of self-doubt, you know, a lot of doubt within the whole team, and then comes to fruition. And it's a it's a beautiful thing. And you're crying because you felt like you went on that journey. And I, I believe that you're completely right. Where take those things that you saw from the movie and apply it to your life as much as possible. I I think that um I saw I saw you mention in your YouTube videos, and it's it's applied to what you mentioned with the three standards being um you know, money, relationships, and physicality is what are your ideals and what are your standards? And I love that you phrase it that way because it really puts a clear picture on if you're full of shit or not. Yes. And and it's okay to be full of shit as long as you're aware of it now and you start making decisions to stop being full of shit. Yes. Um, and can you elaborate a little bit on that? Because I love the way you, you explained Good. it and I, I don't want to butcher your position on it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm writing a book that hopefully will be out uh, the end of this year um, on what I'm what I call the identity gap. And the identity gap is the difference between who we think we are and who we actually are. And a lot of that confusion is we we do not rise to the level of our ideals. We we fall to our standards. But in any area of your life, whatever you're getting consistently 
you're okay with, right? There's an internal standard that says this is homeostasis for me. And that this can be a very hard thing for some people to hear because depending on what they're talking about in their life, they're like, no way, no way is that possible. But when you start to really get to know who you are, they're like, everybody has a standard for their body where it's like, if they get to a certain level, they're like, nope, I'm not okay with this anymore. Right. But with, as long as they're within a certain level, they're like, okay, they're there with their money. They're with their, 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 their uh, savings accounts, their, their financial setting is the same way. It's like, if you're, whatever you're internally okay with is where you're going to kind of stay. And if you get too far ahead of that, you'll find a way to lose that money or spend that money. If you get too below that, you'll find a way to come back to that homeostasis. So this this is a opportunity to get to know yourself. What are your internal standards in any area of your life? And where did they come from? What are your stories about things? And so a lot of us live or we project what we would, our ideal self, what we ideally think that we are for many reasons. One, maybe we esteem to be that. Maybe we believe that's the person that people would love. Um, or that's the person that other people would appreciate or want to be around. And so we project this set of uh, values that aren't really us. They're not integrated. And we know this, right? If you, you, you know, you, you go on a date with somebody, get to know them in the beginning, you're like, wow, they say all the right things. Sounds amazing. You get to know them. You're like, oh, you are not that person. <laughs> right? like, you may want to be that person, but you're not that person. Well, to your point, you said earlier, it's okay if there's a little bit of a gap and you're aware of it. It's because you're growing into that person. But if the gap is too big, it causes major pain for yourself and the people around you. And if you are unaware, then you'll begin to believe it's something outside of yourself because you'll you'll go, no, I do those things. I believe those things. I am a hard worker. I do show up on time. I am financially literate. So my favorite question to ask anybody who says that is, how would I know that? How right. would I know that you're any of those things? Without you having to say a word, how would I know that? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, well, the only way I would know it is by your result. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Right? Like, and right. that's hard for people. It. Man, that, that, for some people, they hear that, and it's that's offensive to hear. Like, right. It's not knowing it here. There's lots of things that people know here. That's not what I'm talking about. It's knowing it here. It's right, yeah. Integrated actually truth. having in the results, right, yeah. Right. There's a lot of things that people know here that they don't know here. They're not integrated truths. And you, yeah. we feel, you can feel the difference in speaker. You can have two people speak on the exact same topic. One is speaking from theory. One is speaking from personal experience or they're a practitioner. You wouldn't know that. I could just present both and I go, which one do you like better? Without knowing, you will pick the guy who's a practitioner, not a theorist. Right. You it's won't even know like why. You're just like, man, I don't know. That guy had a different kind of energy or different kind of conviction. Yeah, that's because he's speaking from truth that he knows, not that he knows. Right, absolutely. It's, it's kind of like a... For sure. I have like friends that are like uh, big fat dudes who spend their whole damn time researching everything you can do about health. And they know most everything you know about health because they're up late at night. You know, they're researching like, hey, I'm tired of feeling this way. What do I do to fix it? And they know everything. But practitioner wise, they do nothing. They know all the information. They're not doing the gym. They're not eating the right things. They're not eating. They're doing everything that's opposite. So it's exactly what to your point. It's the same exact thing. Couldn't agree more. And they know here. And that's not. Theorists can be useful, um, especially pre-Google. Theorists were useful because they were kind of like walking Googles. They had they had read enough books and they had enough knowledge that they could kind of point you the right direction. But you want to be around practitioners, people that know here they've actually gotten the result. It's not a theory to them. And you can hear the difference. There's lots of people carrying around knowledge 
that is absolutely a theory. They don't actually know whether it's true or not. And by the way, they're usually the ones that do most of the arguing. Practitioners don't generally need to argue. There's an old saying, a man with experience is never at the mercy of a man with a theory. Right? It's just like the like the, the guys that know what they're doing don't waste a lot of time trying to argue. They don't need to. Right. It's like, I, I lost 60 pounds. You can tell me that didn't work. It worked. I lost 60 pounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? He's exactly. like, I know how to make a million dollars. That won't work. Well, I did it. Right. Oh. Now, if you if you're um if you if you're unlucky enough to not have somebody in your corner who generally cares about you and, and doesn't and uh and tells you the truth, and you're just one of those people who just has you know fucking yes man around you all the time, um, what would be your advice to start being able to look yourself in the mirror as quickly as possible? Like, whether are there books you can start reading? Are there yeah. um yeah. certain things you can start going? Are there people you should be looking up to i know you're you're a great person obviously but is there other people that they can you know start going down this path because once you go down it i feel like it's hard to go back correct that's it all you once uh there maybe are exceptions but i would say as a general rule a mind expanded can't shrink back to its original size and so my goal in general and the way that i speak is to implant truths into the heart of the human, knowing some will, will eat it up, some will reject it, and some won't even hear it. But I know if the truth gets on the inside, it will literally begin to do its work. It like starts to just, it's because those things that you can't refute, like tr tr truth, capital T truth doesn't need a defense. It defends itself, right? So right. if they get in on the, if they get into the heart of someone, they'll start to go to work and it becomes harder and harder to refute it because it, it, it starts to become more and more obvious or self-evident. So the goal then is to help somebody get those truths, to hear those. And so social media, obviously the upside of social media and, and YouTube is it's given us an opportunity to reach more people. So even if you don't have people in your corner or people who are, are more knowledgeable experience, it's not hard to find people who are. So I live by a couple of simple rules. Get advice from people who are where you want to be, not theorists, but practitioners, people who have actually achieved what it is you want right now. That to me seems pretty obvious, but it's unbelievable um, how often people take advice from the wrong people without yeah, even thinking very about true. it. And it's usually well-meaning, right? Our friends, our family. It's like, well, if your family has you know never made more than fifty thousand dollars a year and has never been financially free no offense to your family but they're probably not who you should be talking to about how to do that right yeah it makes a lot of sense right or, or whatever this you know whatever the issue is it's like get with people who've actually done it and so right. and then um there's a great book awareness by anthony demello i i recommend a lot just to become more self-aware the whole my whole book is really predicated on first awareness without awareness nothing changes so fun questions I like to ask people. Um, how are you complicit in creating the reality you say you don't want? How are you responsible for creating the reality you say you don't want? Now, if somebody is totally unaware, they'll you know, usually pretty quickly say, I'm not. It's not my fault. Okay. Um, but as people begin to wake up more, they start contemplating that question. Well, how am I? How am I supporting the reality I say I don't want? Another fun question I like to ask people, and I generally lead through questions. Um, what do you do when you're presented with information that challenges something you you believe to be true? Right. How do you, how do you conduct yourself? How do you, is it an emotional response? Are you asking 
actual questions or are you just looking to argue? Or is it in one ear and out the other? Now, it turns out, and this 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 was a hard lesson for me to be reminded of in this particular lifetime. Humans don't have an affinity for truth. They have an affinity for alignment in their identity, meaning their identity is generally more important to them psychologically than truth is. And so that's what once you once you clear that operating assumption, at least for me, I operated, showed up in the world believing that humans wanted truth more than anything else. That isn't necessarily true. As that it's the identity is a far more important desire psychologically than truth is. We would, in other words, we would rather believe a lie that is in alignment with how we see the world, identity, global belief systems, than accept a truth that challenges our identity. And Correct. as we get older and older, that gets harder and harder to change. It's like uh, in in science. It's, it's generally accepted that if a scientist doesn't come up with a new theory by the time they're 35, they won't. And the reason is simple. It's as you get older, your brain begins to get, for most, gets baked into seeing the world a particular way. And so the opportunity cost of that from a theorist standpoint or creating new scientific theories is once the mind solidifies, it's, it starts to filter through perception, through that lens, everything it sees. And so you literally become blind to anything that isn't that. You just can't see anything else. And so that's the same if you've ever watched The Matrix, which I think is a fantastic movie and great allegory. Um, Neo, that was the whole thing. When he got pulled out of The Matrix, they're like, we don't normally take somebody that's this old. And the reason is, is because once you get to a certain age, you 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 literally psychologically cannot accept a, a different reality. Right. And so that's that's a lot of the work in the early in early uh, life. And you can change right down on an individual level. I refuse to believe that people can't change just in aggregate. When you look at humans in average, it gets harder and harder and becomes more likely that change happens over time. Um, right. so, anyway. Yeah, I think I think awareness is weird when it starts to creep into your life and you don't know it's it's it happens. It just happens kind of quickly sometimes while you're knowing like I had a funny example of uh, this was last weekend. My, me and my buddy were at a bar. And uh, there's this band up there playing and they were doing the thing. And uh, the guy was the main singer was doing his show. And he, as he got closer, he kind of got closer to us. And he put like his uh, he put his shoe in front of my buddy. Now, I, didn't even, I wasn't even paying attention. I don't know what was going on, but he told me this story like two days later. And he goes, I put my shoe in front of this, the guy, put his shoe in front of me. And he was like signaling to me to like tie his shoe. But he was doing it like in a cool way. And like I instantly thought about like what everyone would think about me if I said no. So I started tying his shoe. And then I kind of went overboard and like, I don't know, like I was like trying to act like I was part of the show. He's like, but I went home like legitimately ashamed. Like I just tied another man's shoe. And I was like, he's like, but if you would have told me that when I was 20, like 25 and younger, I would have been like, I, I was having fun. I'm just being the cool guy. He's like, but now I'm like almost 30 and I'm realizing like, he's like, I did like Danny wouldn't have tied his shoe. <laughs> and, I, and I felt like embarrassed. And I was like, well, I'm like, dude, I think that's an amazing thing that you are even aware of it. Like, that's a good thing. Like. Not telling you, you should be the opposite and be egotistical and be like, fuck that guy's shoe. That's not what I'm telling you to do. I'm just telling you to have your own standards. And that's you being aware of that is good. Yep. And then another changes thing, without awareness. Right. Exactly. And then another thing was um, I like what you mentioned about how people have a certain view of certain things, but aren't really telling the truth about it. It's very strange. Like I see that a lot on social media. How, oh man, like this, this past year in my life was tremendous. Thank you to everyone who's been involved. Today's my birthday. But I'm like, every time I see this person, they're fucking down. They're moody. 
<laughs> and but they want to just tell everyone their identity is I want to tell everyone how happy I am. And it's very strange. And it applies. It, I kind of like related to a. It's funny. I use this analogy with well, my dad uses this analogy. We're, we're talking. He's in a he's in law enforcement. And he mentioned how. Um, he tried to use a good analogy about how to explain it to people to, so they can kind of understand. But either way, you try to explain to people, they, just, they don't want to hear it because there's too much truth involved. And he goes, and he goes, so you like In-N-Out, right? I was like, yeah, of course. I love In-N-Out. So we go there every time. It's the, it's the same recipe. You see it. It's beautiful. It's the same colors. They wear the same uniforms. It's the same product every time we go in. He's like, do you like watching cows get slaughtered? You're like, no. He's like, well, that's how they get burgers at In-N-Out a lot of times. He's like, that's how you do it. That's, you need farmers to do this hard work. You need them to do this. And anyone who goes to In-N-Out who's getting these burgers you know, and then in the same breath of minute later, going on, on social media, going farmers are, are ruining to the, you know, to the climate change. And then hunters, how can you kill an animal? He's like, these people are crazy and they right. don't know what They're it takes. Super disconnected. Correct. Yeah. He's like, and they don't understand what it takes to actually make a burger and to have all this stuff. He's like, doesn't mean you need to harm people, but there are certain truths involved in how meat gets to your table. It's the people that are so cognitively distant when they go to a market and they don't even, they just, oh yeah, this, this meat just magically got there. They don't realize there was an alarming, I can't remember what the actual number was, but it was an alarmingly high number of people when asked where milk came from, said it was from the grocery store. <laughs> like, like, oh man, that's just, it's just, we're pretty, we're pretty disconnected. Uh, right. 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 And and we'd like to turn a blind eye to those sorts of things. Right. Uh, it, it's like, very, it's very interesting. It is. Because but... then you have to reconcile, you have to do the work, right? Like, Presented with uncomfortable truths means it challenges you to have to do the work. How do I reconcile these things within myself? And you can reconcile it. Um, it doesn't mean they're that there can't be uh, they can't be connected, right? Like for me, I grew up in the country. Like my my family hunted growing up, so I don't I don't have an issue understanding where my food came from. I don't have an <laughs> issue understanding that that was once a living animal, um, right? You know, and I can honor the the animal for sacrificing for life to give me life. Correct. It's yeah. Weird, and I don't. It doesn't throw me off. But I also understand for a lot of people that's super uncomfortable. So they'd rather just pretend that that doesn't happen. I'm like, okay. <laughs> right. I think another point I wanted to touch on too was um when we were talking about passions. I think I think the issue that many people have when it comes to finding new passions in life is I think now that you're older, you realize that there's work involved. Yeah. And yeah. when you're young, it doesn't feel like work. In other words, like when, when I started out as a kid, I played baseball a lot. And uh, you couldn't convince me once that practice was work. I loved going to practice. And I practiced every day. I'd play on two different teams. And I had Sundays were double headers. And Saturdays I had games. And, you know, it was never work. It, it was just purely fun. And then you get older. And then now you're like, oh, shit, now there's more work involved. And then that was my first, I would say, like real um, honest experience with myself where I had to tell myself, at 18, 19 years old, like, do I want to do this shit every day? And I was like, no, I want to do it like five days out of seven. I'm like, then then you can't do this. Then you shouldn't, then don't waste anybody's fucking time. Don't go to calls and try to bay ball. Don't go to tryouts. Don't do this because you got to want to do this every day. That's how you go to the pros. That's how you get these scholarships. And if you don't want to do it, then at least be honest. But that was my first like, whoa, didn't, what do I do then? Because now I got to find another passion. And, say, and then when you figure out that thought, like, shit, now, fuck, I got, now it's work. You're, I got to, you know, it's like I have a passion for being healthy. Okay, well, you're not to do some uh, cold plunges. And you're like, I'm not that passionate about being healthy anymore. <laughs> it's, there's some things that are involved that like now that there's work involved, I think people have a hard time just getting over that first step because they realize that 
there's a lot more passions they have than they realize. And that's why people get so into fitness, like you said, and and hiking and going outside. You're like, it's a whole new life that you never even realize. You're like, oh shit, now that I'm I'm eating right, I feel good all the time. Like I yeah, I'll go to this stupid museum with you. Fuck it. Who cares? You start figuring out new passions because you just you change completely. 100 percent Exactly right. And my experience has been, with exceptions, we tend to get passionate about things that we're good at. Yeah. We're not always good at something. The first time we do it, which tells me that you got to lean into something and see, really give it an honest go and figure out, do I have a talent for this? Could I be good at it? But there's a connection between passion and skill and skill is learned, right? So, and there are exceptions, but again, the, the working out scenario I was talking about, when you start to get a result, you tend to get happy, happy people are growing people. Um, and so when we're growing, we tend to find, show up with more passion and excitement because we're getting a result in our life. And it almost doesn't matter where. Uh, there's You could derive that from a lot of different areas. But just learning how to grow and develop and get better at something, passion begins to show up, which I think is interesting. Which is why a lot of people get stuck because they're looking for the feeling first. And, yes, and that's not absolutely. always the case. Now, we'd love it if it was. And certainly it can be, but that's not always the case. Right. So do you, do you think there's a... There's value in, I guess, choosing passions or hobbies. I guess you don't have to even say passions, but at least projects that have delayed gratification rather than sooner. I guess like a jujitsu, which takes forever to get good at or yeah. starting Mastery a of anything. Slow is fast. Right? Like my own kids, um, right now they're in a stage where I just want them to try everything. Get out there. See what, what you get excited about. Like don't, don't get yourself stuck in just doing one thing right now. Figure out all the different things. And then they get older, they start to kind of hone it down. Like, all right, well, here's the kind of the directions I want to go. But yeah, and you're right, delayed gratification, which is also tough. We live in a world that worships at the altar of nowism. Everything is about now, 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 right? And right. We're, we're neurochemically being ingrained for that dopamine kick that comes from the smallest little achievements now, those, those instant gratification things now. And that's going to cause big problems long-term with an entire generation if they can't think long-term. Uh, and you look at the cultures that have been around the longest, they don't think in terms of tomorrow. They think in terms of 10 years from now, 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now. Um, and you know, we're having a hard time in our culture getting people to think more than five minutes ahead. Right. So that's, and That's going to be concerning long term, but that doesn't change. Absolutely. And that's a good point, too. I wanted to bring up, um, it's a very good point because it kind of segues into this, is how would somebody who's finally gotten through all these things and figured out how to be self-aware He's making the proper steps in their daily life and then has children and now has this problem where I have a person I'm caring for. I love them completely. And it's hard for me to tell them the truth. It's hard for me to, to really um, want to give them suffering because even though I went through all this suffering and it's made me a better person, I want to give them stuff that I didn't have, which could backfire and then turn them into the people that I don't want them to turn into. Cause yeah. it's just like you said, like when you have a kid, it is, it is nowism. It's here's this iPad so they can stop crying. It's not realizing 10 years later what that's going to do to this kid. This kid's going to be a jerk. It's not going to be not going to listen to anything you have to say. Um, so how would, how would you go about helping a parent, which I don't have kids, but if, you know, you finally got your stuff together and now it's your job to make sure the next generation can follow in your footsteps and make sure that they're, they're living their lives correctly. Yeah. So there's, that's a great question. There's, most of the way the way humans uh, were designed and the way our brains work, we learn through observation. Uh, we are incredible at mimicry, incredible. 
like uh, potentially the best out of all the animal species at observing and mimicking behavior, which means as as a parent or as a leader, uh, regardless of the exact context, you want to get really good at demonstrating the truths you know by how you show up in the world. It's caught, not taught. Um, and that that's fully the work. Right? And that, that goes back to our conversation from earlier. The, the really influential people are the practitioners, not the theorists. There's a lot of people that have ideas about how they think things should be, uh, not nearly as many that know. And then so you see this, and social media has given everyone an opportunity to share their opinions online. As we all know, they are not all equal. And there's there's some ideas that catch fire that are being generated from people who have no idea um, whether or not it's, it's a good idea or not. They don't, it's not... It's a theory. It isn't. A, you're not practicing it. So if you're going to show up and lead a, a company, a team, or your family, lead from showing up and and asking of them what you have demonstrated to be true. It's it's. We, I think about this maybe another way, an easier way to look at it. <laughs> um, the United States is still fairly uh, Judeo-Christian culture, right? It's like that's predominantly has been the, the predominant religion, right? And so as a, as a statistical kind of truth here, there's a really good chance that at some point in your life, you had a friend who found God or found Jesus, right? right? And when they did, they came to you to want to proselytize you on the truth that they know now know, right? Yeah. Christ is the only begotten son. He's the only way to heaven. If you don't believe in him, you're going to hell. And, and very often from like a really genuine place, they want their friends to believe this because they believe if they don't, they're going to hell. And it's like, dude, I was just partying with you two weeks ago. <laughs> like, like you don't want to listen to the guy. Yeah. Right, I thought you do a line of coke off that stripper. What are you talking about? Yeah, like, come on, dude. Like, come on. Like you just you don't want to hear it. Okay. Yeah. And so very often they'll try their their run at it for a little while and then they'll kind of slip back into what they know if they stay within their social circle. And that's a pretty normal cycle. But we maybe have had this friend, haven't seen him for six months. Maybe haven't seen him for a year. You hang out with him, you go grab coffee with him, or you bump into him somewhere. You start talking to him, and you're like, dude, you're different. And they're like, what do you mean? They're like, I can't quite put a finger on it, but I don't know. You're like, your whole energy is different. Like, you seem to have a lot more peace, if that's even a thing. And it, you like, there's a light in your eyes. And I, I don't know, you're just different. And you're like, well, what have you been doing? And they're like, well, uh, I found God. Well, you still may be like, oh my fucking God. But some <laughs> part of you is also listening. You're right. Like, yeah, true. Well, you want to hear why. Right. Because they're demonstrating the truth, not proselytizing. You see, you see it. You're like, I know you, dude, and you're different. Like, this is like something's changed. Now you're at least curious and wanting to hear why. Because it's an integrated truth. They're actually living what they believe. They're not trying to convince anyone. Now you're listening. It's the same guys like, Maybe you ran into him when you knew him, he, he was pretty overweight. You run into him and he's like shredded, good shape. Maybe he's into yoga. You're like, dude, you're what the hell? You're like a totally, you transformed. Well, that, and that's always funny because a lot of times we will ask, well, what did you do? That one's particularly hilarious. As if we don't know. Right. Know exactly <laughs> what they did. The reason we ask that question is because we're just praying they're going to give us some crazy answer like, oh yeah, dude, I found this pill or this 
super right. easy diet or, you know, okay. I don't know. I just woke up one day and started meditating and this shit happened. Like we're hoping <laughs> for something really simple, even though we know what's he going to say? He's like, well, you know what? I started watching what I eat, started eating clean. You're like, oh man, I'm like, you know, I, I started paying attention when I go to bed, started getting really serious about uh, my nighttime routines, my morning routines. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you're like, fuck, but you're listening because you right. see the result. Like what you, you can't deny that. <laughs> Which is like, that's it. And there's so many people have opinions about the world that some of them may actually be true, by the way. It's not that your opinions are inherently false because you've never tested it out. But until you've tested it out, the conviction in which you know is is at, at a completely different level than the person who's actually done the work. Right? And, you, right. And, and, and that's the scary part is we have people proselytizing others with their opinions about how they think things should be that have never fucking done a damn thing. Right. Yeah, that's right, what like it, 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 oh, and sorry, social wait. media really allows that. It's like they have these crazy opinions about how people should be, how companies should be, how countries should be. It's like you haven't done anything that proves that you even know what you fucking think you know. Right. right? Have you ever ran a company? Have you ever ran a team? Have you ever been responsible for somebody else? Have you ever had to pay fucking taxes? <laughs> like, talk to me when you've actually lived a little. Right. That's what's funny is if you have two grownups that are saying life is hard. Well, they're both right. It is hard. There's a lot of things yeah. involved. But this one still lives at home, has colored hair, tells us <laughs> how the government's supposed to be, and has only had a couple college final exams telling yeah, us yeah. it's hard. And so the original interviewed by companies. Right. The original statement that you said was true. But then once I see all the background involved, I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. And then this other person who says life is hard is exactly what you said, has a company, has a family, maybe going through a divorce. Who knows? Is yeah. you know, has a family members that he loves dearly, but are living up to what he wants them to be. So it's like, I love you, but don't respect it. Jesus Christ. Now you got a bunch of other things and they're like, life's hard. I got yeah. a bunch of stuff, you know? So um, then it validates it. It makes a lot of sense. And actually segues a little bit, a little bit what I wanted to ask you too. Like what, <clears throat> if, is there any advice that you have for couples specifically that maybe one kind of starts, you know, using these lessons that you have and, um, uh, all of everyone else and they start getting their stuff together, but the other person may not be on the same mm. path. How does, yeah. how, how does that happen? I mean, that's tough. There's you know, the, the three, there's kind of three characteristics of lasting relationship that we see, whether it's a personal relationship or whether it's a business relationship, but you can back test this in your own life and, and probably see that this is, this is true. Uh, Long-term relationships have shared vision. We want the same things, right? We're working towards the same outcomes. Um, shared values, right? It's it's true that opposites attract when it comes to personality. It is not true when it comes to values, ethics, and morals. And this maybe maybe seems obvious, but is missed very often, right? It, it's, there needs to be a shared value system. It's very hard to be in partnership with someone who has massively different values than us, okay? So you have shared vision. We want the same things. Shared values. We agree on how we're going to achieve those things. And then shared conflict resolution. We agree upon the way we're going to deal with conflict. That's the frame for lasting relationship. And then when you look within long-term relationships, I'm not a big fan of forced, awkward commitment in relationship. Um, and, and part of like marriage, the idea institution of marriage as a whole. For a very long time worked because people literally did not live that long. Um, and that's not a joke. That isn't, and that isn't meant to be a dismiss marriage. I think marriage is a really beautiful thing, but in long-term committed relationships, you have a, a couple of different options and how they play out. One, you have two people 
that get together under shared values and maybe a shared vision, okay? And over time, they they don't grow, right? They're the same person. And you'll see this if you, and I think it's beautiful and some people think it's very romantic and part of me gets it, but you'll meet somebody, a couple that's been married 30, 40, 50 years old, 50 years, right? But when you talk to them, you realize, oh, I see why this works. You guys are literally the same fucking people. Right, yeah. They, they go sit at the same restaurant. They have the same conversations every day. It's like Groundhog's Day every fucking day of their life. I'm like, okay, well, this makes sense because there is a stability to the relationship because nothing is changing, right? There's no growth there. And it seems right. that you're both totally content with that. May even be proud of that fact. Okay, great. No judgment. That's your experiment. That's how you want to show up. Okay. The other is also true. You can have two people that are constantly reinventing and growing together. And those relationships are beautiful to see, fairly rare, but beautiful to see where they're constantly reinventing the relationship and they're growing in that, but they're growing together. The big pain is the other two possibilities. One is one is growing and one is not, right? Because what happens now is there could be a deviation from values and vision. Because as this person grows, their values may change, their priorities may change, their vision for what their world may change. And if the person doesn't grow with them, then there is going to be a conscious or sometimes subconscious choice to either move away from the person or to stop growing in order to stay with the person. Right? They they in other words, I'm gonna deny who I am in order to keep you happy. Well, let me help you. That leads to long-term resentment. And, and causes bigger problems down the road because then you have people who are like, well, I changed for you or I didn't, I, I, I resent you for making me this way. And like, I didn't make you this way. You chose to be this way. Well, I, you didn't want to come with me. Right. So that's, it's, it, it, there's a lot of tension that gets created when one person is growing and one isn't. Okay. The other is both people are growing, but they're growing apart. Okay. So if our frame is, all relationships must span the, the, the test of time and that they're never supposed to change, well, then this is going to be really painful. I generally hold that relationships over a lifetime do evolve, and it's okay for them to evolve. Some people will, will grow together. Some people will grow apart. Some people may grow um, from being a, a purely platonic relationship to a more romantic relationship and maybe back to platonic. Some people may start out romantic and then go platonic. There's nothing in my particular view wrong with any of those things unless we feel the need to control those outcomes. Like, no, that's bad. That shouldn't happen. Okay, well, if both parties agree that shouldn't happen and they want to work towards either protecting it or developing it, great. But with humans are growing... That's going to happen. There's going to be pressure in the relationship. Now, an ideal situation is you have two people that share the same values and they share the same vision. And so growth is something they both value and they're aligned with that and they grow together. They, they learn how to grow together. But that doesn't always happen. That's not always possible. Some people don't want to grow. They're like, no, I'm done. Crazy to me, baffling to me, but I've seen it enough to know, like, not every human wants to grow. Right. Like, hey, I'm, I'm good. I'm good just the way I am. So my particular view on that is people come into your life for a reason, a season, and for life, and it's not always clear which it is, but our goal is to add more value to them while they're here, but allow them the freedom to be them, and that may mean not being with me anymore, or maybe you're my friend and I love you, but that doesn't mean that we spend as much time as we, we used to together. We're moving in different directions, right? right? So I tend to 
advocate for being more loyal to your values than friends. And that can be very, very tough. Um, in some circles, that could be incredibly tough. But the reason is, is because if you are not true to you, you cannot inherently be true to anyone else. Right? You, you've, and that, again, I'm, I'm, for many reasons, I'm a deeply loyal person. So that's coming from somebody that values long term relationships, stability. Um, and I, 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 I love relationship. But if I have to show up falsely, right? Like I don't, I'm not me with you. That is going to make both of, both of us miserable long-term and it's exhausting. And everybody knows this. You can just backtest this in your own life. Those, those people that you don't feel like you can be yourself around, you're not going to enjoy being around long-term. And sometimes we court people that way, right? We, we start dating somebody fronting we're something we're not. And it's only a matter of time before it's going to slip because it's exhausting to constantly front that you're something you're not. That goes back to the ideal versus real we were talking about earlier. And right. So you, by the way, I'm spending a lot of time unpacking all these different scenarios, and I'll just plainly say it isn't all bad. You can learn to grow and work together, but it takes effort, and you have to surrender the illusion of control that you can force someone to grow, which is why I'm saying it this way. To me, in my opinion, true love allows the person to be who they are and supports who they are. They don't need to be something different. But also true love doesn't mean that I am committed to this person in a certain context their entire life. That may actually mean giving them the space to grow into something different without me, right? Anything else is about me. If I'm trying to control them, people don't try to control others for their good. It's always about our good. So it's learning how to surrender that. So anyway, this can be obviously pretty controversial and tough for some, um, and I get it. But, you know, we get, we're at... I think it's slowed down a little bit because people aren't getting married as much, but uh, using an institution of marriage as an example, I think we're at 55% of 54% of marriages end in divorce. And the stat is slightly skewed because uh, there's a lot of repeat offenders in there, but you get even solving for repeat offenders, I think we're still at 40%. And so it's we're, we're trying to reinvent or try to understand how relationship is supposed to work. And if you live 50, you know, going to be married to the same person for 50 years, you're either going to get very stale or constantly reinvent yourself. And both are possible. It's just, you got to be conscious about how you're doing it. Right. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I have a, I have a, a term for, I call it just relationship chicken. You know, when you're on that, when you're in that phase and you're just seeing who, who tells who their real self is first, you know, you go first. No, you go first. And it's, it's one of the, it takes time. Sometimes don't do it. And it's exactly what you said. You couldn't have said it better. Once you uh, have more, uh, precedent on your values more than you do your identity, then that comes naturally. I, you know, stupid example again, same buddy I was with, I don't know, two months ago. Um, I met a, I met a woman socially and she asked me what kind of music I like. And I was like, I don't know, a bunch of stuff, Black Sabbath. Like, what do you got time for? Tupac? And she, <laughs> nice. goes, I, and she goes, I like Bad Bunny. I was like, oh, I fucking hate that shit. Oh, man. Yeah. I was like, I hate reggaeton. <laughs> and she got all offended. And I was like, I didn't mean to offend you. I just, you asked me the question. Just being honest. Right. Yeah. Now, that being said, if you cared more about your identity, then you did your your values, you would be like, I'm just going to lie to her, get whatever I want out of this relationship, yep. tell her whatever she wants to hear, yep. and then be narcissistic and be kind of controlling in this whole behavior to just try to get some short win yep. you know, and just to someone to like you. But yep. cl clearly not in my values anymore. <laughs> well, and you think about this, the relationships that we trust the most and the people we run around to be around the most are the people that we feel like we can be ourselves around, that love us unconditionally. We don't have to be anything. Right. And like there's a we want that. We know that. Like if you just anybody listening, you backtest that, you're like, yeah, that's absolutely true. So well, why the hell do we waste all this time trying to convince people of something we're not? 
get to work on ourselves and get real about who we are and be honest about who we are. And I promise you, there are lots of people out there that will resonate deeply with who you actually are. And you won't have to waste all this energy trying to front your something you're not. Absolutely. I love that. Sebastian Angus, I promised you uh, 45 minutes to an hour. I think we're, we're touching about to touch an hour now, man. I'm so glad you came on the show, man. This is this is great stuff, man. This is stuff that I think a lot of people need to hear. Um, and again, it only uses, it leads to the times people that want to hear it, they search it out themselves. Um, but I think it's better when it's sometimes it just, you don't even expect it coming and it gets a little curveball and maybe it's the thing it needs to set you straight. Um, uh, maybe it just reinforces your values, whatever it does. Um, it's refreshing conversation and it truly does mean a lot to someone like me. And hopefully it means a lot to the listeners, man. I thank you for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. It was great chatting with you, Danny. Absolutely, brother. Um, do me a favor, tell everyone where they can find your social media, uh, your YouTube so they can uh, want to get in touch with you. Uh, any information on your upcoming book, all that good stuff. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, it, you can reach me on all social media channels at the same thing, at Sebastian Ingus um, on all channels. It is the same, and it's S-A-B-A-S-T-I-N. And most people spell it with an E. You won't find me if you spell it S-E-B. It's S-A-B. Um, but uh, I'm most active on um, Instagram, uh, getting more active on YouTube, and then pretty active on TikTok as well. I love it, man. Thanks again, dude. I really appreciate it. It was an awesome time. Thanks, Danny. Absolutely. This has been Alternate Take. We'll see you guys later. Peace. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen, our interview with the great Sebastian Angus. Thanks a lot for stopping in, man. I really do appreciate it. Um, it says a lot about a person who um, puts us all in in business and in people at the same time. That's hard as fuck to do. And uh, I respect it to the highest degree, man. Thank you so much. Um, for all of you guys who are now new fans of Sebastian, I put all of his links to his social media and websites and anything like that in the podcast description. So go check that shit out. And then also check out our stuff at Alternate Take DR on Instagram and everything else like that. Um, thanks for stopping in, guys. I really appreciate it. This has been Alternate Take. My name is Danny Rodriguez, and I'll see you guys later. Peace.